I'm Denisha Simpson. And I'm Joy McGowan. And, and we, we are Resilient, Resilient Black, Black Women. We are the co-host to this podcast, which is all about demystifying mental health for Black women, women of color, and women everywhere. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, y'all. If you like what you hear, share this episode with a friend. Welcome to the podcast, y'all. I'm Joy McGowan, and I am here to introduce one of our guest speakers for today. Today we have Shakira Eakins, a licensed clinical social worker and certified yoga teacher with 12 plus years of experience providing therapy, advocating for the oppressed, and collaborating with community partners. She is also someone who provides workshops for other professionals in many different settings. She works closely with clients to help them connect deeply with themselves and their community. She sees clients 18 and older virtually who are residents of the Arkansas State. And her areas of focus include BIPOC, LGBTQIA plus individuals who are experiencing anxiety, depression, PTSD, and other challenges that affect their ability to feel safe and connected. Her mission is to develop healthy therapeutic relationships and build community through individual counseling and community yoga. Y'all welcome Shakira Eakins to the podcast. So happy to be here. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. All the way down here to Little Old Fayetteville. Oh, you guys are worth it on a Saturday morning. Man, <laughs> I mean, so we first um, we first did something with you, Shakira, when we were doing events through our nonprofit, Resilient Black Women. Yes. And you hosted our event about arrest, and you had us yes. do Yoga Nidra. Is that how you say that? Yes. Yes, yeah. we did some yoga nidra, some yin, and some no- yoga nidra together. Which is really cool. And so for our listeners, um, do you still do your yoga once a month online? I do not. I okay. didn't really have, um, I did, well, with family life and I think for everybody, it's just something that it wasn't the right timing. And so there, it was hard for people to be on and it was getting harder for me to uh to be able to show up for it. So I don't do that. So it's more community and then doing some things in session, um, which has been nice because we've just, we've gone through a lot of good changes in my family. And so to be able to flow and adjust to different schedules and everything, it's been, it's been a good transition. That's really cool. I mean, I think one, I know I really appreciate it when you did the event on rest and was in person with us to talk about that and to demonstrate that. And I don't think we ever really giving you any feedback about that. But a lot of the people who were there were just like, they've never had to be still with their body for those long periods of time. Yeah. So for our listeners who are not inter- who don't know what yoga nature is, we spent what ten minutes in in each pose. Yes. And so ten minutes of like just your breath and your body yes. um, position on pillows and, and, and with the blankets and all these things yes um it was and really that was good. that was the yin part of it mm-hmm. and they go really well together and then the nidra was just like the meditative part of it and words, so yeah. yeah and that was like an an intro to it because yoga nidra in itself is you know built to be like an hour long and i'd like to mm. eventually do that because i am trained in it but the yin is beautiful too you know mm. as you all saw just to be able to have that deep stretch that rest because it's meant to be the opposite of the yang movement so what we think of when we think of yoga but is also just our daily movements right as mm. we move our bodies and we're busy being able to come into yin and rest and soothe and nurture. It's my favorite type of yoga. Mm-hmm. I um, keep telling myself I'm going to get back into at least a weekly practice for myself mm-hmm. because it really is healing. Yeah. 
I mean, and I think it's interesting that, you know, we're talking about yoga and bring up this healing thing because this whole podcast today is all about trauma. Yeah. It's all about what is trauma and how do we heal. And I don't know about you, Dee, but I often give my clients recommendations about doing yoga um, as like a physical bodily practice because most of the time when I deal with clients who have experienced some trauma, there's a lot of disassociation from their body. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, so I, I love yoga. There, there's so many other things I recommend, but yoga oh, yeah. definitely is one of those things that just a an intro for people like, how do I reconnect with my body? Right. Like, yes. Go sit in, in somebody's yoga class and practice that breath in, in these moments. And what, what would you add to that, Dean? Um, I agree. I do often when we get into the the tangible resources that clients can take away. Um, yoga is one of, in my top list. Um, when we took that class with you, I had to, I was not forced to, but encouraged and being part of a class, you want to do what the instructor <laughs> is saying. And so to be able to like slow down and sit with my body for that long, I don't think I do. I know I don't do that yeah. um, in my day to day. And so that was so helpful, so beneficial. Good. So then, y'all, how do y'all define trauma? When it shows up in your office, how do you define it? What are the words that you put to it? You make your first. Um, with my clients, I try to get away from the behavioral aspect of trauma. So, like, yes, this client comes in and they were in a car wreck. Another client comes in and they were in a car wreck. Because they both were in car wrecks, that does not mean that it was traumatic for both clients. And so for me, trauma is defined as their internal experience and what's going on for them internally. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be a hard concept to grasp for a society with all of these definitions of trauma. And because this happened to me, it must be traumatic. Well, let me get to know your story and what's going on for you because this happened to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I say, to go with that, um, I, and it complements what you said, I tell my clients trauma is what happens to our body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I say that, especially when working with people with siblings mm-hmm. and family trauma, you know, that comes up a lot, where I've talked to my friend and they went through this and they said it's trauma, but I don't feel like it's trauma. You know, so being mm-hmm. able to clarify that, it's like trauma is what happens to our body. Mm-hmm. It's how our body recorded that event. Yes. And we are going to focus on how that affects you now and get you to a safe place with your body and manage those reactions first. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes me think about how I feel like when we are, when I'm doing the work with my client, it's what is the meaning you've made of that event, that experience. Mm-hmm. And so if trauma is what has happened to your body, and then also how much, how much importance did you put on that? Because you're right. Um, People can have so many of the same experiences and not have not make the same meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. Their body and their brain won't make the same meaning of like this was really hard, this was really difficult. Um, I'm also trying to think. I think trauma is also what didn't happen to you. Absolutely. Um, what you didn't get, and and I think I, I'm trying to like work through things <laughs> I've been like talking about with my clients, and so I also think that trauma is also the drama. Mm-hmm. that ha- may have happened in our lives. Because um, also I think sometimes we think that trauma is just like a physical 
experience. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's so much more emotional and lack of emotional attention that is also trauma. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that we tend... I think the only word that makes sense to clients, though, is, like, just this idea of drama. So trauma is this thing of, like, when I have to be hyped up into my fight, fight, or freeze. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? And my parasympathetic, um, my sympathetic nervous system, where I'm only at the top of my capacity. That, those things can be, trauma is a threat. Anything that you, your body, your brain has perceived as a threat. Mm -hmm. Yes. Physical or emotional. And that's that's Mm. why I always bring it back to the body because just like you said you know that's a nervous system response Mm -hmm. and so that drama you know our brain tries to make sense of that nervous system response and that's our body's response to that drama Mm -hmm. to what we didn't get to how we may have been emotionally treated that's recorded in our body too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you're you're absolutely right yeah that makes a lot of sense joy because what i'm hearing you say is that that lack of, right? And so trauma, anytime there's that rupture within, Mm -hmm. that hurt, that pain. So if as a child, someone didn't receive that emotional response that they needed, there was a rupture within, Mm -hmm. right? And so they may not, it may not have been some dramatic event. It was Mm -hmm. just that lack of emotional safety. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That lack of safety. I talk about safety so much with my clients because they can attach to that. And because I'm so rooted in polyvagal you know, polyvagal practices, that that's just where we go mm-hmm. with them trying, you know, trying to mm-hmm. understand it and then tying it back to where did it start in the body. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times mm-hmm. it is with that recognition of not having safety mm-hmm. or that loss of safety. And for some, when they realize that, you know, they've never been safe or they weren't safe emotionally throughout their entire childhood, that really brings up some well of emotion. Yeah. Um, you have to define polyvagal. What, what does that mean? Okay. When you say that, what does that mean? And why is that important to our clients? Okay. So I um, operate from polyvagal theory um, largely, and I was developed by Stephen Porges. He's a researcher. They're over 30 years now because that's how long ago the 90s were. And, um, but he was researching nervous systems in animals, and so it's talking about how our autonomic nervous system is always looking for safety. And the way I explain it to my clients, you and I, you know, the four of us sitting here right now recording this podcast, subconsciously our nervous systems are looking for signals of safety. And so our inner is changing to listen to tone of voice, when we look at each other, we're reading each other's all the little micro expressions in our faces, body language, and then we're doing that with our clients too. And so I teach that to my clients. It's like you are always looking for safety. And so being able to recognize that sympathetic response, I call it battle flee because I'm a fantasy reader. And I heard an author from, I think it was the UK, in a polyvagal book, call it battle flee. And I'm like, I like that. <laughs> And so (laughs) battle flea response. And that's usually where I start with clients. But knowing, so knowing what activates us, like you were talking about, those activations that triggers that battle flea and then recognizing when that gets overwhelmed because of stress chemicals and everything else that we get slammed into dorsal vagal overwhelm, which can add to depression, can feel like depression, but then bringing it back to, okay, so what does safety feel like? And returning to safety as often as we can. And so that is the surface cut and dry of polyvagal theory. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. 
We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Undisciplined is a collaboration between the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas and KUAF. The podcast provides a holistic understanding of complex issues that affect our interconnected world. Taking the interdisciplinary approach of African and African American Studies to the classroom, into the community, onto the airwaves, and beyond. I am your host, Dr. Karee Banton, and for this fifth season, I have a new co-host, Nenebi Tony. Podcast is produced by Leah Grant. And is available every Wednesday at KUAF.com, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the African and African American Studies program and the Undisciplined Podcast on Instagram at UARK underscore AAST or visit KUAF.com to listen to all episodes. Welcome back, y'all. I often show my clients the, um, I, I use Linda Tai. She's a, a social worker that did some training for me for Polyvagal. And uh, she has window of capacity of how the yes. very top is our, uh, what, sympathetic nervous system, right? The five fight flea, the battle flea. In the middle is our parasympathetic um, vagal. Uh, and then at the bottom is that dorsal vagal. And oftentimes my clients will look at the dorsal vagal and be like, I want to be down there. Like, that's good. I was like, actually, maybe not, though. Like, right. <laughs> like that has an activation, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, of, of a threat. And I think oftentimes when I would tell it to my clients, I'm like, yo, like, the edges of our capacity, we were not created to be in them long term. Mm-hmm. Right. We were created to, like, thrive long-term in the middle. Yes. And so the longer we stay at the edges of the capacities, like, we – the research says, like, we tend to lose the best part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because your body and your brain cannot sustain that much activation at that high level. And so most right. times I tell my clients, like, you're, you're just continuing to live out our survival, whether you're at the top, the yep. very top of your capacity, or the mm-hmm. very – bottom of your capacity I don't have a lot of energy I just need to sleep I sleep for a couple of days on end and then I like hype myself up to the very top because yeah. mm-hmm. now I have to go to work and I have to go do these things right and so um it's not but I do think I think it's hard to tell clients like it's okay to go to the top and the bottom but it's just not okay to like stay there for long periods yes of time exactly I'm wondering what would you add to that? It is hard, that balance that you're just talking about with clients, about not staying there for a long time. Um, I do something called the daily window, and it's not mine. Um, I stole this from Ryan Reyna about just checking in with your body because what happens in even working with clients after a while, they're like, oh, I feel great, or oh, I wasn't triggered at all today. Um, So just that daily window of no more than 15 minutes, just sitting with your body and checking in, even if it's been a great day, or going back and noticing like, oh, I was triggered. This is what triggered me. So it's just the daily window of checking in. So then we learn through repetition, right? So building that muscle memory so our body recognizes like, oh, she's going to stop. She's going to attune with me. She recognizes this. And so then we're just validating and honoring whatever we felt throughout those times. I like calling it that because I do that, but I don't – I have to look that up, but I'm going to have to steal it because <laughs> I, my husband like, oh, okay, so we're doing this. We're like, yes, this is what we're going to call this. Yes. <laughs> so I like that a lot. Y'all, so what gets in the way 
of people, what gets in people's way when they are trying to heal trauma? What do we see that kind of comes up as like a barrier? What I see with my clients is the desire to rehash the trauma before Mm -hmm. they're ready because Mm -hmm. society tells us that's what we're supposed to do. Tell you know, media representations, whether it's false or not, tells us that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go in and you're supposed to bear ooh, sorry, bear your soul and you're supposed to tell about the event from the moment that you meet your therapist. And that is one of the biggest obstacles. I always have to slow my people down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're not ready for this. You're too activated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's one of the biggest things I see from the outset. Yeah, I would agree with that because we don't want clients or anyone to have to re-experience their trauma. I think for me working with clients, I want them to renegotiate it, right? Like I might never know detail to detail what happened to you, but I don't need to know that. Right. Okay, so y'all are really saying that there's something you're talking about, like there's a different way to heal. And so what are you not saying, putting words to about healing? Like, what makes us heal when trauma happens in our lives? It's not rehatching the story. What makes us heal? Part of that is being, you know, like we've talked about, being able to recognize what those experiences, what those reminders, how they happen in our body, Mm -hmm. how we react to our triggers, and learning how to manage that. But also building a community that we can feel safe in mm-hmm. and that we can go to when things are overwhelming. So it's developing, it's recognizing what affects us, it's developing skills, but then it's also building a support system. Yeah, I love that. I think also for me, when I'm sitting with my clients, I go back to the sense of self. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my clients to come in and feel seen, yes. feel heard, feel believed and understood. And so even if you're not giving me a play-by-play of what happened, mm-hmm. like if I, if my, one of my clients comes in and they're, they just say that they're damaged and they're broken, mm-hmm. let me see that part of you that you think is damaged and yes. broken. Let me sit with you in that. Yep. And let me hear your story and you own your narrative and you somehow we're saying we're talking like it's easy, like it's so easy, but it's not. It's a long it's process. Not. So oh, I don't so want to give you yeah, yes. modeling, breathing, all of those things. <laughs> but can I then can that client then form that sense of self in a positive and healthy way and go out and take that out into the world? Yeah. Past my office. Absolutely. And that's a key thing, mm-hmm. too, being able to over time, because we build this trust, right? We co-regulate mm-hmm. our clients. Mm-hmm. Many of our clients have deep therapeutic emotions toward us, right? Yeah. And then being able to teach them what to do in between, how to do this without me. Yes. You know, and I communicate that a lot of that from the beginning and then remind it throughout, especially as they're getting better and we're saying, okay, look at what you've done over the past few months. Look at how this is different from last year. But, so, and I tell them all the time, I'm not a crutch. Mm, I right. will not be with you forever as much as you think you need that. Mm. And I think that's a big part of their healing too, helping them learn how to do that on their own, how to seek the support, how right. to manage those things, how to regulate Absolutely. over time. I love that. I'm not a crutch. Just that reminder, because mm-hmm. it's easy for clients to get that false sense of hope, right? Like, oh, so easy. this is forever. This comfort that I'm feeling right now in this office, yeah. she'll be here. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Another barrier that I see is I don't deserve to heal. Yes. Um, and I feel like that could be one of the most challenging ones. I don't deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you work with that? That's a really hard one. Um, I do a lot of focusing on the therapeutic relationship with that. Mm-hmm. Um, looking into my eyes and seeing my kindness and how my heart is here for you. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of affirmation work. Um, and on the other side of that affirmation work is validating the reasons why you feel like you don't deserve mm-hmm. it. We spend a lot of time in that before we can, let me back up, because we spend most of our time in that before we can get to the affirmation work. Mm-hmm. Um and the gratitude. When I'm saying affirmation, I mean like the gratitude, things that they're grateful for within themselves. Yes. Like I'm grateful for that I could even walk or drive to get here today. Um, it's something, just little small things. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what I add to that, <coughs> excuse me, is I'm also an acceptance and commitment therapy therapist. Like that's that hand in hand with um, polyvagal theory. I love it. I know that on both of it. But being able to do exactly what you're talking about and also being able to separate out those thoughts that tell them that they don't deserve it and they're not worthy. So after doing some of that initial work, introducing the idea of naming Mm -hmm. that, because one of the one of the big metaphors with um, ACT is or I can't remember if they call it ACT or ACT anyway, um, (laughs) is the people on the bus and so how all of our thoughts are like people on the bus and we're driving the bus and we keep going in this rut kind of like a roundabout I hate roundabouts and so kind of like a roundabout and we're stuck because we're trying to appease all of those voices and to take a different route means acknowledging that those voices are speaking but then still doing the choices that we want to make anyway and so I borrow I take from that metaphor I'm like let's name one of the people on the bus mm-hmm. And it helps externalize it. And I've had people use all kinds of names and associate it with all types of things, depending on what that voice is saying. And so then that helps alleviate or minimize some of the judgment that is in those thoughts. And so being able to add that to it, too, it's like, let's name it. And at first they're like, we're going to do what? I'm like, trust me. (laughs) I'll help you practice it, even if you can't do it in between. Trust me, this will, this will work. And then after a few months, they're like, oh, my gosh, I had to give so-and-so an iPad because they were rearing up. But it helps it helps separate from those thoughts and find the self <clears throat> that is underneath those thoughts, their true self. I love that. Yeah. Mm. Often uh, we'll talk to clients about how trauma tells you half-truths. Mm-hmm. And so I have to tell them, like, I need you to tell yourself the whole story, like mm-hmm. what actually happened. What did your body actually do? Your Mm -hmm. body jumped up into this place to keep you safe, Mm -hmm. all these things. And so whenever clients get activated either in session or throughout their week and they come back and they're telling me about it, I'm like, oh, so where do we get stuck? We got stuck in the half-truth, the lie that the trauma was telling me about this thing, right? Um, I don't know, but I love what you're saying about getting that thing out of them um, and making it its own thing. I remember in grad school, um, I had a professor who would always say, like, externalizing things for clients, help them not take it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is really good. I think it, it's a way to deal with the shame. Yes. Like, the yes. more that we, like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve to heal, 
there's also a lot of shame and guilt that does come along with he actually healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if I can make the boogeyman the boogeyman, and not, yes. I'm not the boogeyman, right? Um, then I actually get, give myself a chance to heal yeah. um, mm-hmm. and to be different and then to tell myself the whole story, like what right. really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that idea. I think those are just really good uh, tangible tools for people of like, Whatever is the boogeyman, make that the boogeyman. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, so that you can heal and you can be different and you can change. And you can experience movement and change and stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you're in person, too, I don't do this anymore because I haven't figured out how to do it virtually. But when you're in person, you can even get more creative and you can use yeah. art. Yes. And other things to just externalize and, you know, be able to make that shift. So, yeah, it's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. You should use the whiteboard on, on Zoom. I do, but I'm not artistic. No, but it's not for you. It's for the client. I know, I know. But sometimes they're like, like. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, So, yeah, I may have to try that with some of my more creative people because we do Mm -hmm. use the whiteboard to do thought noticing and Mm -hmm. to record, you know, record some other things. I've done some really messy, funky icebergs (laughs) when we've talked about what's underneath the main feelings. But that's a great idea. I I didn't think about using the whiteboard that way. It's funny how sometimes it's when working with adults, like we do things with children. I remember when COVID very first happened, using the whiteboard with my adolescents, that's all I did. But giving myself permission to use it with adults, right? Like when Joy's saying that, like I've never thought about using it with my adult clients. Well, and using it for art, that's a great idea because they can. Absolutely. They can use it too. And that's a great Mm -hmm. idea. I think that's another way too of us like reminding our clients that we heal through play. Yes. Yes. so oftentimes, I, I don't know how y'all do this in y'all sessions, but oftentimes, sometimes clients come in and, like, something happened to their 6-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old self, right? And so I'm always trying to have them think about their child self and, like, what type yes. of responsibility the child self joy actually have at that age. Mm-hmm. And really, her only responsibility was to play. And right, so right when I want to carry little joy with me, I want to carry little joy into the places where big joy gets to play. Right. Yes. And so little joy can show up and, and play and do all these things, right? Mm-hmm. But then little joy has to take a back seat when there are adult decisions that need to be made. Right. Yes. Um, because I think oftentimes when our clients have experienced trauma, their little selves are like running the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have a lot of needs, they have a lot of things to say maybe there's some tantrums maybe there's a lot of emotion mm-hmm. um, and maybe there's a lot of like having lots of people in their lives that don't deserve to be there mm-hmm. um, because a little kid doesn't really know how to set boundaries and all those things right, right. so right. Um, trying to remind my clients that like your little child self can always come out when it's time to play mm-hmm. but then your adult self is the one that like sits here and thinks about what did this mean when this happened to my little joy self? Yes, I love that that you brought that up Mm because that is so true, and I've done that probably with almost every single adult client, Mm -hmm. especially ones that have been through trauma. It's like how once we tap into that part and, you know, they recognize that and how that little person is trying to be an adult and how that has not worked, Mm -hmm. you know, how can you play? You spend so much of your life checking off boxes and doing this and you're exhausted from all the work you've been doing. Mm -hmm. How can you play? And it makes me think of that um, TikTok. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's a black woman and it's a black woman at the park with pigtails and she's like, I don't, you know, she's throwing a tantrum because she wants to stay at the park and play. And her adult self looks at her and she's like, are you done? 
And she's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she's like, okay, let's go. And so I'll reference that to my clients a lot of the time. And I may even email it to them when I can find it. And I'm like, this is what we were talking about. Mm. When adult self has to take over, let, you know, little kids self play. But, you know, just like you were saying, then adult has to step in and say, okay, now is not the time to play anymore. Mm-hmm. We've got to do this. Mm-hmm. But knowing how to attach to that play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, in, like, healing trauma, there's a lot of grief for the little child self who probably had to grow up and thought that they needed to be the adult. Yes. They needed to take on responsibilities of adults' emotions, relationships, Mm -hmm. behaviors, all those Mm -hmm. things. And so having to go back and working with my clients of, like, okay, first of all, like, we grieve and we name these Mm -hmm. things that your little joy self wasn't able to do. Right. um, Because adults made you feel like you were responsible for how they felt. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then also, but then, you know, that's always so hard, right? Because, uh, you know, everybody talks about this stuff about, like, uh, villainizing the parent or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, and that's not how we heal trauma either, by making you think that your parents were, like, garbage. Right, (laughs) right. right. But being able to say, like, they did have a responsibility to be an adult, and they did not. Absolutely. For reasons why good or bad. Right. Um, They just didn't show up in that way. Right. Yes, your child self and your adult self has the right to grieve, Mm -hmm. but your parents could not give you. Yeah. And maybe there were lots of other systems and things on top of them that made it difficult for them to show up. Yeah. um, I agree. It's so important to allow that grief work to come in yeah. and working with trauma. Yes. I think one of the most powerful tools is inviting that little self in mm-hmm. the room. Yeah. I agree. And I would say 90% of the time with clients, even if they were sexually abused, went without food and water. When you ask, like, what do you think little Susie needed in this moment? It's always a hug, yes. comfort, mm-hmm. a, you know, that power of touch. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm trying to remember what you said now, Joy, but what were you were just saying? What was it that you were just saying? I had it and then I lost it. About the child self. Not villainizing parents. Not villainizing, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> villainizing parents. Because that is a big part of what comes up with my clients and mm-hmm. being able to teach them. And I will say it before they say it. I am not saying this to put all the blame on your par- on your parents, but mm-hmm. to recognize their responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because that little self will come out and yeah. attack. Yes. yes. You are talking, and they'll pull away. You're mm-hmm. talking about, about my parents. And so I've learned through trial and error to say that whenever we go back in time, we are not blaming them. We are not making them the villain. We are just finding where this started. And where it recorded in your body. Mm-hmm. And we're acknowledging the fact that they made these choices that resulted in these things for you. Exactly. You yeah. know, and that gives them the freedom to feel however they want right. about their parents. Mm-hmm. And then being able to validate that for them instead of me leaving them in how they should. Because that's what their life has been, is people telling them how they should feel Absolutely. and how they should mm-hmm. So then, you know, what are the tangible tools that we give to clients about healing trauma and actually like I think I wrote down what was what's the goal of healing trauma because I think there's a I think sometimes like people think that like if I'm healed then I won't have to deal with this ever again like I won't I shouldn't have to think about this ever again and and I don't know if that's actually 
the marker of, I agree. of change. Yeah. So how do we give realistic expectations to our clients about what it means to heal? I always tell my clients that <clears throat> it's a healing journey, like you're healing mm-hmm. and not healed. And I took that again from, I'm, I'm on TikTok all the time, <laughs> but from my TikTok, it's how I dissociate healthily. <laughs> um, but, um, and so, you know, I tell them, it's like, we are working at how you manage those reactions so that you can feel safe in your body, so you can trust yourself mm-hmm. and so that you learn yourself and, you know, we challenge those thoughts about self, all of that, but so that you feel like you can handle these triggers whenever they come up. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be honest with people, and I'll tell them, depending on what they've been through, I said, you may have a trauma reminder that we never thought about, even if we worked together for a couple of years. Right, right. Because it just didn't help the opportunity to come up. And I'll tell them, 10 years from now. When I am long gone from your life, something may pop up and you'd be like, Shakira taught me this. And I was like, I hope I'm in your brain. That's like my goal. But it's like if you remember nothing else, one of the things that I taught you, one of the things that you told me that you learned on your own, you know, it's having the tools to be able to face things because we may continue to go through traumatic things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Adult life is hard. And so, so, yeah, being able to have those tools in that community to face whatever Mm -hmm. comes at us. Um, I think for me, I hope that in working with my clients, I've allowed them to feel what used to be intolerable, Mm -hmm. Um, but they did not feel that alone, right? And so hopefully they can take that. And I can't promise that triggers won't happen because that that would be a lie. Right, right? that would be a lie. What you were saying, like that's just not realistic. And so if I now know as a client that, yes, I may be triggered, And that used to feel intolerable, but now I've learned how to navigate through it and I've worked through it. And so now something is tolerable and I'm not alone. So can I take that to someone that it used to feel safe for me not to take it to? Um, Can I do those things? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I would add to what y'all are saying. Um, I often like to think that um, we have to think about ourselves like in our lifespan. My grandmother died when I was 16. And so I felt a certain type of way then, but then I felt another kind of way when I graduated college. Mm-hmm. I felt another kind of way when I had my first baby, when I got mm-hmm. married. Yep. Right, I felt a little different about my grandmother being dead as I grew up and Absolutely. throughout my lifespan. <laughs> and so I think it's really, really helpful for people to consider like, like what you were saying, like we are still growing, we are still changing. There is still opportunity for lots of other things, good and bad, to happen in our lives. And so therapy should be about what are the tools that I can add to my tool belt for now Yes, that will help me later on down the road. And I hope that, like, when clients work with me that they have more connection to their body and their breath. Like, I always tell my yes. clients that, like, you can get to that, that middle place, right? Activating your ventral vagal nerve that helps you create safety within and safety with other folks um, by having your body and your breath and learning what it means to be safe in stillness, learning what it means to be safe in action, learning what it means to be safe in community and community, not just being people, but places and yes. things mm-hmm. and culture and music and, and broadening this idea of like what it means to have safe, healthy attachment to things in this world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think I work really hard to make sure that people learn 
how to create safety around them because mm-hmm. the only thing that triggers us to the edges of our capacity is a threat to that safety. Exactly. Right. right. So if I can help you realize that safety is not just physical, mm-hmm. but safety is not just like big T, small T trauma, but maybe just that drama, mm-hmm. that emotional mm-hmm. chaos that maybe your body was used to when you were little. Um, but now, not so much. You don't like it so much, right? Mm-hmm. If I can help you notice that, um, then I think you will have what you need. And then reminding people, like like you were saying, like you may not have me forever, but then also it's always it's okay for you to come back to exactly. therapy at any yes. point. Yes, yes, exactly. It's not a failure in your journey mm-hmm. toward healing, but nope. hey, it's like what Shakira says, something something new popped up <laughs> yeah. that, that we could not have planned. Exactly. <laughs> this would right. happen. Uh, and I lived a little bit longer and was like, oh, that's a thing. Now. <laughs> right. Maybe I should mm-hmm. go, like work this out a little bit, right? Like therapy is not just um, a one and done type thing. You can always go back. Exactly. For whatever your reasons are. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, how we num- typically close is we kind of just talk about like a gratitude thing. And so if you would like to share uh, anything that you feel some gratitude towards or if it's just like one phrase, a word that you want people to remember. Okay. Let me think. Um, you know, I feel, and you know, being honest, because I was sitting here thinking about it while you were talking. In my brain, ADHD does two things at once. But <laughs> I honestly feel gratitude in terms of, you know, talking about community. Community is one of the words I use a lot with clients, but us being able to come together and have different strategies mm. for doing the same thing mm. and being able to agree with each other, us being able to come in community like this. I'm really grateful for that this morning just because of where a lot of my thoughts were in preparing for this and just in general. I had a lot of time to think coming in. and um, But, yeah, that's my gratitude today is community and the community of this right here, what we're doing as three black women, mm. you know, talking about trauma and talking about our differences with how we do that but how similar that is and how it all connects. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm very grateful this morning for just, like you said, sitting in this space. But I want to go back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this um, recording, which was yoga and just how beneficial and helpful and healing that can be for people, Um, especially black women. Yes. Um, And I think that historically that was not the – it wasn't – it didn't feel like that was the case for us, um, but there's now so many spaces where that can happen, even within Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. where a yeah. black woman can go and have a black woman, another black woman as the instructor. Yes. And so, yeah, I just, I'm very grateful for that little nugget. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I just have gratitude. I think talking about trauma is hard, mm-hmm. but it wasn't hard to talk about it with you all today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I think that's really good, and I hope that that's a reminder to our audience that as hard as it may be to do your work, if you can find safety with your therapist or with your community, um, maybe it'll just flow out of you, kind of like it did with us today. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for being here, Shakira. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, And y'all, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey y'all, I'm Joy McGowan, and you've been listening to the Resilient Black Women Podcast. You can learn more about us and our work at resilientblackwomen.org. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend or two. Tell us what you think. We love reading your reflections, and we hope you'll join us again. Bye, y'all.